from the heart of America. Blind Living Radio. Radio by the blind. For the world. This is Blind Living Radio. I am one of your hosts, Danielle Crapo. I, myself, am blind, and I am joined by Harley Thomas. Hey, Harley. Hello, Danielle. I'm the sighted guy. So he's the sighted half of this hosting yes, duo. Welcome to the show, everyone. So, Harley, I am pretty excited about today's show. Do you know why? I do know why. We have a very special guest coming up in just a little bit, joining us via phone. We do. And the episode today is going to be about Helen Keller, who is one of my personal heroes. But I have to tell you, you know, um, reading about Helen Keller and how she had Ann Sullivan with her, who was her teacher when she was younger. Incidentally, fun fact. Fun facts. I love fun facts. Ann Sullivan was visually impaired herself. So um, with Helen Keller being deafblind... She was her teacher. Correct? Right. And then she was her companion later in life, like when when Helen did more of her tours in, uh, around the world and meeting people, uh, Anne was with her. And it made me think, you know, it's pretty cool that Helen had her companion with her, just like I have my Vala with me all the time. And Vala's just sprawled out on the floor right now, your guide dog. She is. Just to paint a little picture for our listeners, Vala is about 50 pounds. She She's a skinny little black lab golden retriever mix. Um, she, so her her fur is black, and she's got pretty eyes from what I hear. And she fits perfectly on an airplane. She does. She's right, compact. Right under your legs. She does. She likes to stretch out sometimes, but most of the time the people we're sitting next to love the fact that they're sitting by a guide dog. Did I tell you the story about the bodyguards, Harley? No, someone had body. You had bodyguards. No, we were on our way to a recruiting event last year, and there were bodyguards going to Orlando from Summerfest. They were they were there for a particular artist. Oh, so security guys. Yes, and they're these huge guys, like football player sized guys, and you should have heard the giggles and like the chuckling coming out of them when I said it was okay for them to say hi to Vala because they were sitting next to her and I didn't want them to be weird about her or her to be weird about them. So I was like, yeah, you can say hi. And the one guy's like, huh, I get to sit next to the dog the whole way down there. That is so funny. They were so excited. <laughs> they were these big, tall, you know, bodyguard guys all excited about this little baby dog. And they're taking up like a seat, a seat and a half yeah. with their broad shoulders. <laughs> she was able to sit up under the one guy's legs. That's a big, like to give that's you. a big man. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cute. So, yeah. Well, we, we have our guest actually today is Helen Selston. Yes. Helen Selston is the archivist at the Helen Keller Museum with the American Foundation for the Blind. So I'm really excited to talk with Helen. And I'm excited to learn more about Helen Keller and and where she came from, how she did what she did from a historical perspective. Yeah, like I say, she's a personal hero. Being a disabled woman myself, just seeing all that she accomplished before the age of technology, you know, we're always saying that technology makes it so much easier for blind and visually impaired people to do their jobs and to have social lives and things like that. I I can only imagine how difficult it was for her without talking software like JAWS or a talking iPhone or something like that. So I'm really excited to hear from Helen Selzden. And you said she's she's an inspiration to you, but you know, Helen Keller has so many famous quotes that she is an inspiration to, I think, sighted as well as blind people. People are really inspired by this woman and the more we learn about it. What's what's your favorite Helen Keller quote? My favorite Helen Keller quote is actually, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. So I really like that quote. It's a great one. I like it. That's a great one. 
You know what, Danielle? I think it's time for a break, and we'll get on the phone with Helen here in just a moment. Sounds like a plan. Blind Living Radio will be right back after these messages. Blind Living Radio is brought to you by Industries for the Blind, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Providing employment opportunities for blind professionals since 1952. Learn more at IBMILW.com. Welcome back to Blind Living Radio. Supported by Industries for the Blind in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Learn more at IBMILW.com. Welcome back to Blind Living Radio. This is your host, Danielle Crapo, and I actually am joined in the studio by Harley Thomas. I am the blind co-host, and Harley is our sighted friend. Hey, Harley. Hello, Danielle. Yes, I'm the sighted half of the show. That's right. You know, Helen Keller had a kind of a better half also. A better half, hey? Well, sort of. (laughs) We're going to learn a lot more about Helen Keller here in just a few minutes. That's right. I'm really excited to have Helen Selsden on the show from the American Foundation for the Blind to talk to us a little bit more about Helen Keller and her history and kind of uh, how she was so successful in life. And she's the archivist, I believe, at the at the Helen Keller Museum, right? She is, yeah. So she is the best living expert. She knows more about Helen Keller than probably anyone else in the world is what I was told. Well, and it's great that we've got her joining us here via phone to our Milwaukee studio. So let's get her on the line. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you so much, um, Helen Selden from the American Foundation for the Blind. Now, what is your exact title? I am the archivist here at ASB. Wonderful. And from what I hear, your specialty is Helen Keller. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. For uh, this episode of our podcast, Blind Living Radio, I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about Helen Keller's, just a little bit about her history. Sure. She was born in 1880. She was the daughter of parents who lived in Tuscumbia, Alabama. She went blind and deaf from an unknown illness when she was 19 months old. She was very lucky, though. She came from a privileged background. Her mother was highly intelligent, and her father, I think he was the editor of the North Alabamian newspaper. And Kate Keller made an enormous effort to get help for her child, and she found help at the Perkins School for the Blind. And in 1887, Perkins sent their stellar graduate student, Annie Sullivan, to Tuscumbia, Alabama, to work as Helen Keller's governess. And it was a fantastic sort of synchronicity because Anne was a feisty and super smart teacher, and Helen was a very, very bright little pupil. Annie arrived on March 3rd, 1887, when Helen was not quite seven years of age, and the moment, the famous moment at the water pump happened in eight, on April the 5th, so very, very rapidly after Annie's arrival, Annie had managed to communicate that the shapes that she made with her fingers were letters and actually spelt words. So it was a fantastic combination of a super smart child, an intelligent but demanding teacher who um, understood um, that she had a frustrated but very bright little girl to teach. But that was only the very beginning. Of Helen, Helen the, the, the water pump incident mm-hmm. or what mm-hmm. happened at the water pump, 
what did what did Helen Keller do at the water pump? Oh, is that where she? Um, what uh, Annie had gone outside to pump the water, and Helen had put her hand under the and, and under the water, and she felt the water with one hand, and in the uh, with her other hand, Annie spelled the letters W A T E R into Helen's hand, and Helen made that connection. And the speed with which she made that connection is extraordinary because this little girl was, she was just a very, very little girl, you know, so it was extraordinary. And then in June, I, we have uh, materials in the archival collection here at ASB in New York City, Helen writing basic words in her beautiful square block script by June. So the rapidity, you know, the speed with which Helen made progress was amazing. But for me, I've created um, an exhibition here at ASB. You can visit with that you know, if you call for an appointment. Because what I want to show is Helen Keller really as an older woman, as a, as a grown woman. What she achieved at the water pump and, and her a childhood fame is, was absolutely extraordinary. But then she lived until she was 87 years of age. She lived till um, 1968. And she did an incredible amount in that time. And I think people tend to forget about that. She absolutely changed perceptions of blindness. Her actions and words showed that a person with vision loss can do just, just as well as a sighted person if they're given the chance and opportunity to do so. So my big job here at ASB is to show that she was not this just this little child at the water pump or this saintly and benign old lady. In fact, she was a feisty, hardworking woman who traveled around the nation and globally around the world. So that's really what I try to do here at AFB. That's wonderful. Now, if if I did a little bit of reading on um, Helen Keller, and wasn't Annie Sullivan also visually impaired? Yes, she was. She 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 suffered from trachoma when she was a little girl, and I at the age of seven. I just got to check this, sorry. Um, I think it's the age of seven, she went um, legally blind. And, and in fact, she, her vision was not repaired. I mean, it was never very good, but she um, had multiple operations when she was slightly older, when she was at Perkins. And by the age of 14, 15, her, her vision was, it was low vision. It was never great, but she could see, obviously much more than I mean, obviously Helen couldn't see. So yes, yeah, she could see, but she was essentially low vision for her entire life and in fact she lost an eye um, one of her eyes was removed when in the 1920s because it was so poor so and it's kind of ironic because Annie didn't, is never to be seen wearing glasses in um, any photos that I've ever seen although we know she did wear glasses because she was I think she was embarrassed by where you know to be seen wearing glasses so you had this woman who on the one hand was pushing this child to be proud of herself and to know that and feel that she could was equal to any sighted child and yet she herself had you know the stigma that in those days went along with wearing glasses so but she was a fantastic teacher and she promoted her pupil that is a very interesting fact helen isn't that incredible that, yeah it's much easier to to push someone forward than it is to do something yourself yourself <laughs> which i think is one of the things that helen keller inspires so many people blind and sighted people Right. With all her aspirational quotes. And I'm sure you have a favorite. There's so many. Do you oh have a goodness. favorite you can I, share? 
I really do love Life is a Daring Adventure or, or Nothing. And there's um, the one about humility. I, I can't remember it off the top of my head. I have to read it. I have to get a book. But basically, she's not into humility very much. It's never really served her purposes very well. And I love that about her because she actually is quite humble. But I love the way she doesn't espouse humility. She really believes in, you know, going out there and doing your thing. And, and, and she just she had loads and loads of phenomenal quotes. And that's one of her like life guidelines guiding right. it with, with humility. Right. Mm-hmm. And also one of her major ideas in life is to put your money where your mouth was. She really didn't just talk about advocacy and change. She acted on it. I mean, from the 1920s to the 1940s when she was working at AFB, um, she actually worked from AFB from 1924 till she, she died in 68. But then from the 20s to the 40s on AFB's behalf, she traveled around the U.S. pushing for accommodations and services for those who were blind. She appeared um, before at least 14 state legislatures around the nation, demanding that laws were changed to provide equal access to education for students, rehabilitation services for blinded veterans from the First World War um, and the Second World War. Um, she did an enormous amount on the ground. If you, in the archival collection, I, you can read of the, her schedules around the nation. And also, you can, I, I love reading the letters from senators and congresspeople where they've written back to her saying, basically, her appearance in front of a state legislature was enabled an act to be passed. Her appearance made things change. Because so she, she, she took the time and went in front of the legislature. Exactly. Absolutely. There's, there's, that's unquestionable. And similarly, I have the same thing for other na- nations around the world. I, I can think off the top of my head, I have fabulous letters from Lebanon in which they, um, she, she was there in, uh, I think, I believe it's 1952, and as a result of her meeting with government officials, ministers of education, and local citizens, a school for kids with vision loss was created, and people's attitudes on the streets apparently palpably changed. She, I think one of the big things that Helen did was, was not she did change things on the ground, but she also changed the way people view those with vision loss, and I think perception is an enormous part of the equation in changing things, and she really, really managed that. I mean, one of the a little lovely fact is she traveled to 39 countries around the globe from the 1930s to the 1950s. She was sent by AFB actually under the auspices of General Douglas MacArthur as America's first goodwill ambassador to Japan in 1948 and still I have an amazing amount of Japanese scholars and general public contacting me because she left such a profound impact on the nation up to two million people came out to see her and you've got to think America had bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki not three years earlier and you have these hordes of people not even hordes thousands of people coming out to listen to her speak there was a real connection between her and the Japanese people and we have many objects in the archival collection such as a beautiful incense burner from Japan we have other items from the Empress of Japan it's a beautiful archival collection I think one of the things that we're talking about is is the equal rights and and how blind people can do so many things that that a sighted person can do. Yeah. Danielle and I talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And Helen Keller's quote of a person who is severely impaired never knows his hidden sources yeah. of strength mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. until he is treated like a normal human being and encouraged to shape his own life. 
That's a very good one. And it's Which is from 1955. Yeah. Well, she was doing this, I mean, even way before 1955. And there's I mean, still so much work to be done. Yeah, absolutely. I, what I also try to push is, I think she saw the big picture, not just for, for vision loss. She saw disabilities and also the disenfranchised and marginalized. She was an enormous believer in free speech. She really, really was. She was a socialist, and in 1933, Nazi youth burned her book as part of the book burning in Berlin. And Helen wrote an open letter to the uh, student body of Germany. Can I, can I read it? It's, very, it's quite short. Sure. It's, okay, it's, history has taught you nothing if you think you can kill ideas. Tyrants have tried to do that often before, and the ideas have risen up in their might and destroyed them. You can burn my books and the books of the best minds in Europe, but the ideas in them have seeped through a million channels and will continue to quicken other minds. I gave all the royalties of my books for all time to the soldiers blind in the World War, she means the First World War, with no thought in my heart but love and compassion for the German people. Do not imagine your barbarities to the Jews are unknown here. God sleepeth not, and he will visit his judgment upon you. Better were it for you to have a millstone hung round your neck and sink into the sea than to be hated and despised of all men. Helen Keller. And this is at the age of 52 in 1933, and you know she had decades more of her life to go. She lived another 35 years. She was she just did this all the time. She just did not stop. She profoundly believed that humanity has the capacity to improve itself and make the world a better place. And I'd always love to say that Helen Keller didn't see barriers, only possibilities, because that really is Helen Keller. She really did. That that just that gave me goosebumps. That I know that when I when I actually when I give my tour of the archive, that that people it's very it is it's an incredible incredible piece, and it's it's just so right on. It's just absolutely correct, and she and she lived it. She didn't just sp- say it. She lived it. That's what's so inspiring about her for myself, you know, being a, a blind woman, mm-hmm. you know, seeing, listening to her story and the fact that mm-hmm. she never gave up and she mm-hmm. lived her, you know, that was her passion mm-hmm. and she lived it. It's just, it's so, so inspirational. And also you've got to think, um, one of the things that people ask me about Helen is to what extent she had her own opinions because everything, she was manual sign language or braille and so to what extent was everything received information? Was she her own person? Was she spoon-fed by Annie Sullivan? And I really, really think that is not true. She was, Annie gave her an enormous amount to read. Put it this way, this is 1933, and Helen is writing about the Holocaust, essentially, years before many people was supposedly didn't know about it, right? So there's something that many people argued that was not known to be going on. Here's a blind and deaf woman knows exactly what's going on in, in Europe, right? right? So she really was an incredibly well-informed of her own volition advocate. That's why she was so smart. She just really, she was a sponge for information. You know, she, she could read French and German and she gave the speech in 1952 at the Pantheon in Paris when Louis Braille's bones were reinterred on the centennial of his, I forget his birth or death, sorry, I've forgotten. But, um, so basically she could, she, so she read out loud in, in French and she was a super highly intelligent, well-educated woman. But I think what's important to know here is many people talk of her as a genius and that to me it does not help the issue because it makes her more of a it it, it mystifies it it doesn't help anything to demystify her 
intelligence and it it's it it's um it almost denigrates her because it almost puts her blindness as some sort of freaky kind of aspect of her when in fact she was not so much a genius as an incredibly regular woman who worked extraordinarily hard her schedules when you see them go abroad she went abroad for like 3 months at a time visiting all these places around the globe and i have the schedule she would visit maybe 15 places a day these are punishing schedules that and is she a was, punishing schedule that was, and think about it she this is in the 40s and 50s she was in her 60s and 70s right This is the 40s and 50s, and she's in her 60s and 70s, and the Cold War is coming in. So many American women, and actually British women, are being relegated to the kitchen, right? And here she is, a woman who was formerly a socialist. She was blind. She was deaf. And above all, she was a woman and older. And she's on a plane flying around the globe demanding changes for those with vision loss. It's extraordinary. Helen, how can how can because there's so much information on Helen Keller. How can folks <laughs> learn more? What what is the website they should go to if they want to learn more, or if they happen to be in right. New York City? It's www.afb.org, and you can go to the Helen Keller section of the website. And I um I love you know giving tours of the archival collection. And if people want to reach me, they can. I guess, email me to, you know, if they're in New York City. Can I give out my email address? Absolutely. Okay. My email address is H for Helen. I'm called Helen. That's a coincidence. Selsden, S as in Sam, E-L-S, as in Sam again, D-David-O-N, at AFB.net. So if people are interested, I love giving tours, and I, I think it's very good to spread the word because we must not forget our history, and we mustn't forget how much people still have to work. That's the point. It's not just about the past. For me, it's very much about the future and making sure those with vision loss continue to have even more access to the same things as their sighted peers have. Danielle, we have more work to do, don't we? (laughs) We we do. (laughs) We do. Thank you for joining us today, Helen. You're very welcome. This has been a very good conversation. Danielle, any last thoughts? Uh, no, that's that's it. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us a little bit more. I know I'm I'm definitely more inspired and and more intrigued about Helen Keller's life. So I think good. You so much. There's a lot. There's much that people do not know actually. So I, I would love it if people went on the website or contacted me for more assistance with information. Okay, I think it's time, Danielle. I think we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Blind Living Radio. We'll be right back. After a word from Industries for the Blind, Milwaukee, the official sponsor of Blind Living Radio. Industries for the Blind presents Blind Living Radio, where you'll hear interesting topics, fun stories, and important news about our blind and visually impaired community. It's time now for Blind Living Radio. Welcome back to Blind Living Radio. I am Danielle Crapo, one of your hosts. Uh, I'm blind, and I am joined by my sighted co-host, Harley Thomas. Hey, Harley. Hello, Danielle. That was a great segment with Helen Selsdon. That was. That was awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed everything that she had to say about Helen Keller, and uh, thanks to the AFB and to Helen Selsdon for talking with us today. I learned a whole lot about the history and legacy of Helen Keller And, you know, Harley, Industries for the Blind Milwaukee actually has a personal connection to Helen Keller. Did you know that? I did know that. 
and you know, I think with the connection of our employees, I think most of our employees probably know that too. Yeah. So Industries for the Blind is associated on a national level with indus- National Industries for the Blind, excuse me. And uh, National Industries for the Blind was founded in part by a gentleman named Peter Salmon. And he, Peter Salmon actually worked very closely with Helen Keller towards the end of her life with advocating for dis- disability rights and equality. So that, that's kind of a cool closing of the circle, if you will. Which is one of the reasons why it's so powerful the things Helen Keller did to set things up along with Peter Salmon, moving it all together, that's one of the reasons why Industries for the Blind, our sponsor, can employ over 150 blind individuals from coast to coast. And it's really neat. We got to do it via phone to New York City. Yeah, that was awesome. Technology, I tell you. Here we and go again with technology. It's it's great. And I think one of the things that's near and dear to your heart, Danielle, is upward mobility and professional blind jobs. Yeah, and actually, uh, speaking of blind employment, Industries for the Blind actually employs two gentlemen who work in production. They manufacture our Skillcraft uh, U.S. government pen, and they are both actually deafblind. And it's just, to me, you know, I, I myself am blind. And sometimes things are tough for me, but I, I have to take my hat off to those gentlemen because not being able to see or hear and, and being able to live independently and work independently is just, to me, is just fascinating how they do their jobs. And they're here every day, on time. They get vacation time. Don't get it wrong. But I always see them working, and they do a great top number one quality job. They do, and they need very little modifications to do their jobs. The one gentleman actually works putting the U.S. government pen into packages, and it's like you show him where his supplies are, and that's it. That's all he needs to know. He can work on the machine for eight hours straight and be just fine with it. So I I think that's great. And he actually runs – he's – qualified to run more than just one machine, I believe. Yeah, he is. And both of them do live independently. They have uh, some of the things that I know that they use to help them is if they get a phone call, their phone vibrates and they are able to use a braille display to do a TTY. So instead of the person on the line talking to them and Mm -hmm. uh, they feel it with their fingers with a braille display and they also have uh, vibrating doorbells as well. More cool technology allowing people to live the same as people without any disabilities exactly it's very cool this has been maybe one of my favorite shows danielle mine too i I loved it i learned very much and i want to make sure that we all have a better understanding of the blind community and all the things that go on and what we've learned and i want to take time to support blind living radio i recommend that our listeners sign up for the newsletter and events on the website blind livingradio.com. Well, this has been Danielle Crapo and Harley Thomas with Blind Living Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to and supporting Blind Living Radio. You can support Industries for the Blind by ordering any of our products from blind-made.com. That's blind-made.com.